Welcome to the Evolution Show. I'm Johan Landgren. In the previous two episodes, we had Professor Ole Hegström on the Evolution Show, one of Sweden's leading experts and writers on artificial intelligence, AI. And we talked about AI basics and AI risks. Today, we will talk about ways to combat the climate crisis with the idea of a carbon fee and dividend. To help me, I've invited Henrik Petrian, part of the global non-profit organization, Citizens Climate Lobby. And in the next two episodes, we have the environmental hero and advisor, Pella Thiel, on the show to talk about legal rights for nature and what's called ecocide law, followed by many more inspiring guests here on the show. I hope you like the content. And if you want to support the show, we really appreciate a thumbs up and consider subscribing. As always, stay ahead of the curve and stay electric. This is the Evolution Show. Welcome to the Evolution Show, Hendrik Petrian. Thank you, Juan. Thank you for having me on. You are an active member uh, of a non-profit organization called Citizens Climate Lobby and you're working internationally to introduce a carbon tax or a price on carbon as part of a way to combat the climate crisis we're facing right now. And this is a very hot topic, very important topic. And uh, But perhaps we could start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved in this uh, Citizens Climate Lobby? It was really a little bit by chance, as perhaps is the case with many people I had a couple of years back, sort of an awakening when I realized that the situation with our climate is uh, much worse than uh, what people generally know and what I generally knew as well. And this was about uh, 2016. Uh, I hadn't been engaged in anything uh, well, regarding uh, nature, conservancy or other issues like that or uh, in politics uh, in general before but uh, once i sort of got over this first numbing dread that you can feel when you realize uh, how bad things exactly are um, i looked around for something uh, to try to do about it and uh, by chance i happened to read a letter to the editor in one of the swedish daily papers it was written by um, a member of uh, Citizens Climate Lobby, uh, who is a retired psychologist. And uh, this um, text was written sort of as uh, both as an uh, uh, both from this point of view, what can you do to handle your anxiety over climate through action? And it also advocated this specific uh, policy that Citizens Climate Lobby advances in uh, in the form of a carbon fee and dividend. So, uh, and uh, th that was how it started. And uh, I uh, met up with a few of the existing members and we discussed how, how CCL works and uh, what we do in Sweden. And uh, then it took off from there. Yeah. And what are you doing at the Climate Citizens Lobby? Uh, you're working both internationally and, of course, you are working here in Sweden. So uh, how do you work to, to address this issue of the carbon tax? 
Citizens Climate Lobby is a large uh, organization that started out in California in 2007. Uh, and um, it's organized as uh, small local groups. And that is the case as well in Sweden and in all the other countries. Uh, of course, membership is much lower here than it is in the US. Uh, but um, we really work on a local level. Uh, in Sweden, uh, the uh, chapters are called Klimatsvaret, or CCL Sweden. Uh, in fact, we were the first uh, uh, chapters outside North America. So CCL is large in the US, of course, and also in Canada, where they had good success. Uh, so there are, one can say that there are two things we do. The first thing is we try to spread uh, the word about this proposal, the carbon fee and dividend. And uh, on a more individual level, so to speak, we empower each other through uh, training and uh, internal lectures or sometimes uh, lectures and talks by uh, external experts. So we become more efficient in uh, uh, exercising our <laughs> democratic powers, so to speak. So we try to build the political will for, as we say, a livable world, but uh, concretely, uh, we want to advance the carbon fee and dividend. For people who don't know what, what is a carbon tax, I mean, in Sweden, we, took, we take it for granted, basically. We've had it since the early 90s. Uh, so, so perhaps we could start with Sweden and, and explain what it, carbon tax actually is and how, how has it worked here in Sweden? Uh, a carbon tax or a carbon fee, there, there are many, uh, many ways to price carbon emissions. And in general, everybody agrees that this should be done. Uh, all politicians more or less uh, sign on to the idea of pricing carbon somehow. Uh, the uh, World Bank, uh, the uh, OECD offices, the Climate uh, Leadership Coalition, there are many such organizations that all say we need to price carbon and we need to price emissions higher than is done now. So the question is really how to do it. And as you say, there are many people, uh, there are many places already where there are carbon taxes. So what's different about what we are talking about and a general carbon tax? Well, I think usually one should just look at it not as a tax in the sense that tax is typically something that the state uh, needs to finance things, right? We take in a tax in order to pay for education, healthcare, and so, so on. But what if we take, what, what if we look at this price on carbon as just a means of driving emissions down? Uh, or to take it even further, what, what if you think of a price of, on carbon as a um, as a fine, in the same way that if you're polluting a river or a lake, you, you may get fined, because this is what you do as soon as you release carbon dioxide into atmosphere, uh, you are polluting, and uh, most everyone embraces this uh, principle: the polluter should pay. You hear that a lot. So the question is then. How do we use this polluter-based principle to drive down emissions efficiently? Because in a sense, we are then all polluters, we should all pay, but this is not really practical. So in the ideal world, what if we could go to the 
100 largest emitters of carbon dioxide, say large oil companies, coal mine owners, that kind of stuff. And you could levy a fee on their extraction of these, uh, uh, well, fuels, more or less, on the coal, oil, gas, um, biofuels also, what, what have you. You say that eventually this carbon inside whatever you dig out of the ground or pump up from the uh, seabed, eventually that's going to end up in the atmosphere. And it's straightforward and easy to say how much per barrel, say, carbon dioxide will result. So you take, a, you take this fee, you collect it from the uh, company. Uh, of course, then their margins take it. And so if they want to keep their uh, margins on what they sell, they're going to increase the, the price. And so everything that is uh, built on energy or source materials that eventually end up as pollution, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, will then become uh, more expensive. And it's proportional. The more, you, uh, the more pollution that results, the more expensive it will get. So automatically, you get a signal in the price that will uh, benefit all those products and services that are uh, produced with low emissions. You see what I mean? And yeah. there yeah. is no need for detailed regulations as long as you as long as you can place this fee as close to the original port of entry into the economy as possible, then regular market mechanisms will distribute this price increase. And eventually it will end up with you and me, consumers. And all the way, there is then a new incentive to choose whatever product or service that is less polluting. And you don't have to do a lot of reading, uh, trying to figure out through life cycle analysis and so on, which one is the best, what is the best choice, what is the best option, because it's already signaled in the price. And uh, how do you make the companies, if you say the biggest 500 companies, the biggest polluters? So, uh, as I said somewhere there in the beginning, in an ideal world, that is not the world we're living in, this is tricky because then it would you would need some sort of uh, jurisdiction over many countries. So this, uh, when you talk about the carbon fee and dividend, you typically discuss a country or region or some jurisdiction that can impose this on the producers. And since CCL uh, originated this um, proposal in the US, where, is, where there is a fossil fuel industry, then it's much easier to uh, take this concept because you have producers. If you don't have producers, you could always say that, well, whenever the oil, for instance, or the natural gas is imported into our jurisdiction, when it crosses our border, then we can uh, excise this fee. An oil company, basically, it, it can't have any future if it only will uh, stay in the oil business. No, no. So what, what will happen is that prices will rise. But uh, now we have talked a bit about the fee. And uh, one thing that I didn't mention is this fee needs to be rising and rising. And this is uh, another uh, difference to the regular carbon taxes that you have, where there is much uh, thinking and theorizing from economists about what, what is the optimum level of a carbon tax. So the optimal 
level for a price of carbon is of course infinite because there is no real uh, space left in the atmosphere because we're we're already at a, a dangerously high concentration of carbon dioxide we need to get back to 350 ppm as soon as possible in order to hopefully avoid uh, catastrophic tipping points as detailed uh, by among other James Hansen who's a renowned uh, climate scientist uh, so this price needs to rise as quickly as possible and preferably in a predictable way. Why is that good? Well, if you are, say, a power company and you would like to produce more electricity to sell uh, and you are thinking about building a new plant, maybe a carbon fire plant would be economical today. But if you know that in a few years there is going to be this fee on carbon emissions and it's going to be about this level, then we're not going to be profitable. And if you're not going to be profitable in two years, you won't even start to build that plant. So you, you can get sort of a head start on reductions that way. But the fee will rise. Uh, in order to keep their margin, margins, economic actors will try to pass on the price increases. And so they will end up uh, with customers. Therefore, we, what we produce, uh, propose is to take the proceeds from this carbon fee and pay them out as dividends. Uh, this is also popularly called climate income. And maybe that gives a better sense of what it would look like, because that's, then it starts to sound a little bit like this concept of universal basic income that's uh, being discussed in uh, some circles. But this income that you would get from the uh, carbon dividend, it would start out uh, on a rather small level, because the idea is that you put a price in carbon and you don't go, uh, you don't start at the not target level or you don't start that high. You start with at some reasonable level to uh, face this in. So the dividend would start out small and then uh, it will increase. To help all the households to meet the uh, price hikes that are a consequence of a, a carbon fee. And there have been studies on this and uh, at least half of the households uh, in a country tend to get out uh, ahead under such a scheme. And that sounds maybe counterintuitive at first, but uh, one has to think of it like this. If you uh, consume a lot. If, if you are well off, so to speak, you tend to consume a lot and then you tend to be responsible for a lot of emissions. So if you consume carbon intensive goods, you will feel more of these price increases than other people who, who don't. But everybody gets the same uh, amount of money back every month because uh, that would be uh, most convenient, I think, uh, which means that some people will uh, actually profit from this system. And if you notice that you are not, well, then that can be seen as an incentive to change something. I mean, you realize that, hmm, maybe I should save save these dividends, save up, uh, save up for an electric car if that's what you really need, or some other solution, because there is a uh, there is a trans transition that's inevitable and the sooner you start to transition the better for you and the better for 
climate. So if I understand you correctly, the dividend is primarily going back to the society in general. So like the consumer is, is getting, I guess, getting, um, is benefiting from this, uh, this uh, dividend, while the producers or the big polluters will not get as much from this dividend. Uh, it's, 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 that's not the intention. It's more like, is it that way to look at it? it it's intentional. I mean, the uh, uh, companies, they get nothing. And the uh, consumers, they get all of it. And uh, there are many good reasons for this. But one reason that, uh, one reason, of course, that it's uh, set up like this is in the US, if you were to suggest a new tax, at least uh, half of your, uh, at least half of the politicians will just uh, run away. Basically, they don't uh, necessarily want uh, a larger government, so to speak. So this is uh, often framed as revenue neutral, and that's just a way of saying that we don't, we will not let the government take more taxes from you. So we should rephrase this episode and call it um, carbon fee and not carbon tax, uh, to be clear. I mean, basically, I mean, many would, would interpret it the same thing, but if you want to, uh, I mean, it's, it's more um, uh, more to the point uh, as you're, you're describing it right now about the fee and then the following dividend. I, I think it sounds good, but so let's, but okay, regardless if we call it a tax or a fee, uh, we have we have a carbon tax in Sweden, so we've had for a long time uh, since 1995. And uh, if you compare this to the carbon tax we've had in Sweden, uh, there's been benefits with the carbon tax as well. If I have understood correctly, the uh, carbon tax in Sweden is successful in that it has <coughs> at least phased out the use of fossil fuels in uh, home heating. Uh, I mean, nobody. Almost nobody uses uh, heating oil for their homes anymore. Uh, the problem with the uh, Swedish uh, carbon tax, and uh, that's one thing I would like to uh, add here, that we, we don't propose replacing this existing carbon tax with this fee. In order to make it easier to have broad political acceptance, for such a suggestion as the fee and dividend. We are trying not to touch anything that's already existing, if possible. So uh, the uh, usual uh, carbon tax that uh, can stay. <laughs> but I think that the main problem with the uh, existing tax is it doesn't cover everything. And in a sense, it's obviously too low and then you may ask, how, how, can I, how can I say that when it's, if not the highest in the world, surely one of the highest in the world? Well, our emissions are still way too high. We're not even close to our Paris uh, Agreement commitments. Uh, and that's also something, that's something we need to uh, keep talking about in our meetings with uh, politicians and others. Uh, we are actually not near uh, meeting our commitments. So we need to bring emissions down much faster. And this is also what this, um, uh, uh, the Climate Council, they, uh, this is a group of experts that they uh, evaluate what's done politically in Sweden every year. 
and so far they have consistently in all the reports said that we are not doing that. So one would like to, uh, one, would, one would need to raise the carbon tax and expand it. But then it's always the question, how do you go about raising taxes? Because that's not, usually this is not a popular proposition. Nobody wants to raise taxes. And uh, that's then where this fee comes in. In Sweden, we come up with this uh, uh, sort of restricted fee and dividend to use in the transport sector. Uh, and why is this? Well, this is because it's responsible for quite a large chunk of the Swedish emissions, the domestic emissions, but it's about a third. And uh, we are not on a nice path to meet our climate target for, the, for these emissions. There is a goal for 2030 that uh, we are not on a good path to meet. So we thought that this would be, uh, this would be a good place to start. And also there aren't that many fuel producers or importers. So there's a, a rather small amount of places where you can, uh, where you need to live with it. The uh, CCL in the US, they lobby relentlessly, uh, many, many meetings with their representatives. And there are bills proposed. We could start uh, with Canada, in fact, because uh, they have now uh, a system for carbon pricing that includes elements of what uh, CCL has been lobbying for. And uh, in Canada, they've been at that for more than 10 years, actually. So Canada is, uh, uh, they have a federal system of government. Uh, in one of the provinces, British Columbia, there was a uh, sort of carbon fee and dividend uh, scheme that uh, is similar to what we are discussing here. Uh, that was operating for a few years uh, around 2010. Uh, and with reasonable success, I would say. Uh, now, that was probably the easier province to have that in uh, for political reason and also for uh, reasons of the, how they produce their energy. I mean, they have more hydropower than some of the uh, uh, other provinces. But uh, the uh, federal government of uh, Trudeau, uh, they decided to um, push carbon pricing a bit further in Canada. And what they said was eventually that uh, provinces who don't have a price of carbon already at an acceptable level uh, through some other scheme, perhaps uh, uh, emissions trading system or something like this, they would get what's known as the federal backstop. And that is a combination of uh, uh, emissions trading and this uh, carbon fee with direct dividends. So uh, that then is sort of pushed onto these provinces by the federal government. And then the, uh, the income is re recirculated through the um, province to households idea is that what if the US, say, or the EU had such border carbon adjustments, then they are such large markets that then hopefully it would incentivize other jurisdictions to also implement carbon pricing on the same level, because we're we're not happy if, if only the US does this. Of course, that would be a great uh, thing, 
but we need all the world to price carbon and on much higher level, higher levels than it, than it stands today. And if if you talk about China, then do you have any ideas or have you do you have a similar you have collaboration with uh, this climate lobby group in in China as well? Since they are now uh, starting up their own emissions trading scheme, it may be difficult to uh, sort of dislodge that. I think we will have to hope for their emissions trading system to work rather than, uh, uh, well, who knows. Recently, there was a, a ballot in Switzerland uh, about uh, increasing uh, carbon fees, carbon taxes, and why, and it was defeated. And one of the reasons I've seen speculations about that, that many people actually didn't know that they were already receiving a form of dividend, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, in the form of a check, but rather as a rebate on your uh, health insurance. So in Switzerland, they have been operating a sort of carbon fee and dividend for a time for some time now, but this is uh, it's not in the transport sector, so people don't see it when fueling up their cars, but. For home heating, you would see it. So, uh, what, if you don't know that there is a dividend, uh, then you see price hikes on uh, well home heating, but you don't connect that to the fact that your uh, health insurance just got a little bit cheaper. So then, perhaps it would have been a better idea not to touch the health insurance uh, in Switzerland, but rather giving people actual checks. And I think giving handing them out monthly is far better than once a year or uh, two times a year. I think two times a year is the, now uh, the Canadian way. Today uh, we have uh, lately the last couple of years we have this uh, very fast growing growing mo uh, movement with Greta Thunberg and Fridays for Future. So I guess we have you know a, the moment is ripe for this change. And I'm not just talking about young people. I'm talking about in general because you can see that. There are a lot of people uh, that are in, um, you know, working for this new movement, for the transition to to a climate, uh, for a carbon-free uh, economy. Uh, so I, I, sh I, I mean, I think the, um, this idea should be uh, be easier adopted, as I see it right now, than just three or four years ago. Um, the push on politicians and so on uh, is much stronger. So, um, yeah, so, but if people would like to promote uh, a carbon tax in their, sorry, carbon fee uh, in their country and a carbon fee and dividend, uh, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, what do you suggest they do and can, uh, can they get involved in any way in the citizens climate lobby? And perhaps if there is no climate lobby in their country, could they even start one? Oh, for sure. I mean, there is a, a rather new um, uh, organization for CCL International, and they are, of course, happy to help um, uh, help people start up a new chapter, both in a country where there isn't one already, or uh, <clears throat> in a country where there is already some presence. And uh, on their homepage, you can uh, get connected with them, and they can help you find the nearest chapter to you. If you want to get engaged with the uh, citizens' climate lobby, in particular, and in Sweden we already have existing chapters, 
so uh, you can then either use the uh, then it may be more uh, more it may be quicker actually to uh, connect with us uh, through our homepage, and I will provide you one with the link. Yes, and I'll put the link down below in the comment section for sure. Uh, so check that out. And um, if there is nothing more you would like to add, or think that we have uh, any fundamental piece we haven't talked about, the main message is uh, price carbon. Yeah, Quickly price carbon. And and highly. Yes. And uh, well, for listeners that are watching, people watching now, I can um, tell them right now that we have another guest coming up that uh, are covering this part of the discussion. Uh, uh, Pella Thiel, she's an international leader and she is an advisor for the UN as well. And she's working with the issue of ecocide. So basically uh, rights, uh, uh, legal rights for nature and how to protect and preserve um, areas where we extract too much of our resources, affecting the whole society and so on. So stay tuned for that. But thank you so much uh, uh, for this discussion, Henrik. Uh, I think your, your organization seems to do a really good job and I suggest people to check it out. If people would like to contact you um, in person or learn more about what you do, uh, please tell us how they can do so. Uh, well, I will, give, uh, I will give you on my email. How about that? Yeah, I can, if you like, to, if it's a public mail and you don't have any problems with that, I'll put it in, in the descriptions as well, or perhaps they could find you also, I don't know, f via your, your page, uh, Climate Lobby page, yeah. Great, but okay, thank you, Henrik. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tell us what you think in the comment section below. And if you like the content and you want to support the show, we really appreciate a thumbs up and consider subscribing. And stick around for next week, when we have two conversations here on The Evolution Show with the inspiring environmental hero and advisor, Pella Thiel. And we talk about a hot topic, the global movement for legal rights for nature and what's called ecocide law. As always, stay ahead of the curve and stay electric. I hope to see you next week.